Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Insiders Podcast, presented by Commerce Bank, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig-Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. It's another edition of the PowerCat Insiders Podcast brought to you by Commerce Bank. We got the A-Team. Not that the other guys aren't good. They're very good. We have good subs. Tim Fitzgerald, that's me. Matt Walters of the Kansas State Learfield IMG uh, Nike slash (laughs) Apple slash K-State Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. That guy. Here we go. Kellis Robinette of the Wichita Eagle Kansas City Star and our... Our boy Catfish, Ryan Black of the Manhattan Mercury, who I just fed five-hour energy. He's never had one before. It's going to be a bomb that goes off sometime during this podcast. (laughs) It's going to be great stuff. But we haven't podcasted in a decade. I know. The four of us have not convened since the bowl game. That's not true. Well, the four of us. Yeah, four of us together. Yeah, we have had, but we've been missing parts, and we've had very, very good substitutes. But there's no substitute for... Commerce Bank. Life is full of moments, big and small. Commerce Bank has the technology and the people to help with whatever financial challenges come your way. Commerce Bank, challenge accepted. Gentlemen, if I was a gambling man, I would be a broke man today. <laughs> yeah. I would have bet my house, my dogs, my cars, my wife, and that's of great value because she listens to this. That West Virginia would have beaten K-State by more than, what, five and a half was the spread by end of, end of the start of the game, I guess. Kansas State, 84-68. I'm not sure if I'm shocked that they won or that they kicked their butts. With the exception of a stretch in the second half and maybe the very start of the game, this game was about Kansas State. Matt, your thoughts on what took place at Bramlage Coliseum on Saturday? Well, I thought Bob Huggins... Uh, comment after the game was somewhat telling because virtually everybody, be it fans or those that cover K-State or those who were watching around mid-America, uh, all thought Kansas State was probably going to get hammered. And as Bob Huggins said after the ball game, he said, you know, Bruce is a Bruce is a really good coach. He said, did you really think they were going to just come on and lay down? Yeah. Did you think that they were not going to fight and be amped up after what you know happened um, earlier in the week with their with their loss. And, I mean, if you take a step back and you think about that, you know, credit K-State, they showed fight. They didn't do as many dingbat things. They only turned it over <laughs> well put. Ding, well put. Dingbat. For lack of a better word. Um, <laughs> I thought that was probably the better adjective to use. They only turned it over 16 times. And it just – we have talked about so many aspects of this team, losing close games – and it just goes to show you when you do things right and the ball goes in the basket, you can win games. And really, Kellis, shooting the ball was, I mean, they shot it so well it was alarming. But they also seemed to take better shots, shots in rhythm. They got in the open floor and ran and got shots at the rim and dunks. It's easy to shoot the ball when you're dunking. Well, yeah, that's what I told some people after the game. They probably had more dunks against West Virginia than they had in every other game combined. I mean, it was just amazing. It was all over the place. And, and yeah, you look, what did they end up with? Was it 59% shooting for the game? Is that what it was? Yeah. So it's incredible. It's pretty easy when you get like 10 automatic makes right there. And when they shot threes, they did it with confidence. They were stepping into them. Uh, Cardi and other guys were calling for the ball, getting them wide open. And it hasn't happened in other games. I think West Virginia was a – you know, on paper, I was like you. I thought West Virginia would win pretty easily. It was a lot, kind of like the Oklahoma football game. I didn't really see many paths K- K-State could take to a win here. But 
Uh, they did it. West Virginia was not on their A game. K-State was on theirs. And, yeah, they out-toughed them. They outshot them. They outplayed them in really just about every way other than um, the second half where they let a 24-point lead get down to six. But, hey, they won. So now That got a little scary. That looked like reverse of last year when West Virginia blew the lead in the second half. But K-State hung on. Ryan Black, how shocked were you by that performance? Well, I was talking with, with Greg Woods, uh, you know, who will be graduating here soon. He's done a lot of work for the Mercury after the game. And, and I said, I don't think off the top of my head in the two and a half years I've covered the K-State men's basketball team that I've seen a win that I expected less. And I, I couldn't – I mean, again, I know they beat a top-five Oklahoma team when Oklahoma came here with Trey Young two years ago. But, again, even then they had been playing so much better at that point. It just it was the fact that, like you said, it's not just that they won. It's that outside of, of letting West Virginia get back in into the game and then stretching it back, it was the fact they won pretty easily, really. You know, that they really did dominate the whole the whole game outside of that stretch where West Virginia went on that run to, to cut it close. And, uh, Kellis, to your point, you know, not, not that this is like the most meaningful stat ever, but of the five second-half dunks in the game, all five were K-State. There you go. I had to look up something about dunks uh, for, for my story. And I noticed, oh, man, look at that. K-State had all five of them in the second half. I didn't go back and look in the first half. But uh, I think one other thing, and, and guys, I know it's, this is where the stats, you know, sometimes they get misleading. Uh, you know, West Virginia came into the game Saturday as the number one rebounding team in the Big 12, and they were sixth nationally. Uh, K-State was last in the Big 12 in rebounds per game. And you look, and K-State only lost it by one. West Virginia had 29-28. But, again, I know – as we're kind of talking about, there's not going to be as many rebounds when you hit almost 60% of your shots. But I still think the fact they almost fought into a draw on the boards is pretty impressive because I would have never seen that coming. Derek Culver, the man among men, three rebounds. Yeah, him and Shebway were 1-2 in the Big 12. In, is in there, the game. Is there a reason he only played 22 minutes? They, that was one thing that puzzled me, that Bob Huggins hardly played his best two bigs. I think he was just mad at yeah, it. Seemed, mad. It seemed like he was very mad. <laughs> I was disappointed. Well, well, cheap boy. Yeah. yeah. I really like a was, strategy. I was I'm mad at you, too. Yeah. Let's get our best players out of the game. Yeah, that's Bob, though, you know? <laughs> and he probably went over there and yelled at him, oh, you're not playing well. You're going to get out of the game. <laughs> that was a good impression. It was. I love hugs. I just, one of the interns was in the back of the room before an interview. Before the interview started, I said, uh, you ever heard Bob Huggins at the press conference? No. Well, you're not going to hear him today. <laughs> so I moved up front, and I could still barely hear him. <laughs> that was the most shocking thing. I've told some of you that was the most shocking thing to me the first time I ever covered a game involving him. And then after the game, just knowing how you know animated he can be on the court at times and how loud he can get, I was shocked at how just soft-spoken he is in press conferences. It's uh, He didn't have much to say. He knew exactly what happened to his team. They overlooked Kansas State. Mm -hmm. And it was, a you know, on most days, let's be blunt here, if you overlook Kansas State, you can get off the hook. Uh, but not this one. K-State really did pull it all together. And let's be honest, let's go back at a, another game and – when they lost to Texas Tech, we saw signs of this. They seemed to kind of play better and have a better identity and maybe a better um, glue to this team. They looked more uniformed as a group out there, and they certainly came together on Saturday. Now the question is, do yeah. you do it for an extended period of time? Well, it, you really wish now you had Oklahoma State, Iowa State, one of those teams up so you right. could you know, get another taste of winning. Not to say they won't win Tuesday night in Lawrence, but uh, the last time that happened, Jim Wildridge was head coach, I believe. Right? 2006, yep. Is that all it was? It feels like it was 1893. <laughs> 1893. 2006. So, I, I mean... That is a good point, though. When it last happened, it was an unlikely situation. Mm -hmm. um, and KU has had its own issues, although they went out and got a couple wins. I don't see them winning an Allen Fieldhouse. But maybe they can go in there and at least leave there feeling pretty good about themselves. Because I think in a strange way, uh, I'm not going to call it a moral victory. They took away something from that Texas Tech defeat upon which they could build. And they did build on that Saturday. But... Um, I was really impressed to see that Bruce Weber shuffled the lineup. Now, I think it was a response to what West Virginia does, what they put on the floor with the two bigs by starting uh, both Stockard and Malween. But he did put David Sloan into the lineup. And, guys, I think it had a, a 
a big effect on this team. And the biggest effect was on Cartier Jada, who moved off the ball. I, I've been saying it. It's not that he is the point guard. I think it's that he's been called the point guard, and that feels like a lot of weight for him because he still did a lot of point guard things. But Sloan played 35 minutes, nine points, five assists, four steals, which is probably the biggest number out of that because, Matt, the problem with David Sloan and Bruce at Weber's eyes has been defense. Defense. And we've been talking about Sloan at the point for, what, six weeks now? And I think after like the first week of the season, maybe. Yeah, and you know what, I I've been critical like others. I don't know critical, but I've been pushing for Sloan. And then I watch a game and I go, well, I see exactly what Bruce Weber sees. He didn't rotate on this play. He didn't go challenge a shooter when they were in the zone this time. Um, he just kind of was playing JUCO defense. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you know Bruce has brought it up a couple of times. I, I'll give him credit because I know in the past people have been maybe critical that he kind of brings up the same things over and over and uses them as excuses. But I really do think that after uh, Sloan suffered that hand injury that put him out the whole summer, I I think you know he just he just missed so much time, yeah. and he just was literally working his way into form as the season started. You don't need a healthy hand to play defense, though. Oh well, no, no. I'm just saying. Yeah, and and he I think w- they'll coach him out of it. Yeah, it's just going to take a little time. The uh, even more than that, I think the thing they stumbled upon these last couple games is uh, I think Mike McGurl getting hurt was a good thing for this team because it it's forced for, it's forced him to go young. And you've seen when you played Dejuan Gordon more minutes and you play Antonio Gordon more minutes, and you let Montavious Murphy stay on the floor. Um, I mean, good things happen. They just play with so much more energy when those guys and David are on the are on the floor than what they were earlier. And, you know, I like Mike and Mac as much as anybody, but unless they're going to come in there and start knocking down shots, I think they've found something here and they need to go young. I agree. And if you look at the minutes, and granted it was just by one minute or so, the top six minutes people in this game for K-State were Sneed and Jada, the three freshmen, and Sloan. Um, and I think that says a lot about uh, maybe where Bruce is moving with this. Although it'll be interesting when McGurl comes back, whether that's Tuesday night or not, where he goes uh, with his minutes. I think McGurl coming back Tuesday is very important. And not, not from the sense that, okay, he's going to be the make or break difference maker. I, I just think it's the fact that what you guys are talking about. I mean, we remember that Barry Brown basically never never would come off the floor, so he was used to playing major minutes. I just get a sense that if McGurl's out again Tuesday and you've got to ask Hardy and these guys to play high 30 minutes again, I think you're going to see really tired legs and you're going to see KU use that to their advantage. So that's where I think McGurl, it just, if nothing else, just to give them minutes, is going to be super important if he can come back Tuesday. Does McGurl go right back into the starting lineup? No. He shouldn't. He but shouldn't. He, I bet he does. He might. I would argue that he should not. Yeah, I would think I after the success you just now, had, you might want to stick with those two guys in the back. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of validity to the answer being yes. If McGurl's back and he's actually healthy, because say what you will, uh-huh. About K State in Allen Fieldhouse, you've got Antonio, you've got Dejuan, you've got Sloan, and you've got Montavious playing in that building for the first time. And that building has a tendency to intimidate people. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up that. So that... McGurl potentially could. I don't think he will, but. It intimidates grown men in striped shirts. It does. Correct. I, I was excited. I didn't know if you were going to bring up the point that he has been their most consistent three point shooter in terms of percentage. I didn't know if that's where you were going with that. Oop, Sloan? No, 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 McGurl. McGurl. McGurl's their best three-point shooter if you look by percentage. Forty-five. their number two defender, too. Yep. I, no, I'm not arguing you'd never play him. I think he is best suited to be the relief pitcher that comes in when one of those oh, guys yeah. in the backcourt needs to blow. Because he can go both ways. He can play, you know, he can slide McGurl over or he can play the point. Whatever you need from him, he can try to do it. And that's what he is. He's a glue guy. He's he's a guy that brings energy, and I'd, I'd like to see that energy off the bench. And I'd also like to see Dejuan Gordon go back into the starting lineup. It, it'll be intriguing to me with KU if they go big, how Bruce responds to that with his own starting lineup, because they can go big too. You, one of the things I'm most interested to see if it carries forward is, and it's something that was brought up in the post-game press conference, is, I mean, you look at they finished 17-25 from the line, and a lot of those free throws were, were big time because it was in the middle of West Virginia trying to stave off that run. And that's what really hurt them in a lot of those close games that they lost earlier this year was they just they get the free throw line and they couldn't convert one-and-ones, or they'd go and they'd go one for two from the line. So I'm just interested to see if that free throw shooting is going to going to continue like that. Because you remember, even in the loss Tuesday, Montavious Murphy goes nine for nine from the line. That's extremely impressive, especially for you know freshman forward. 
they're getting a lot from the freshmen. Mm-hmm. You can see them growing up. I mean, even Antonio Gordon, who one of my writers called Tony this week. <laughs> Tony Gordon. Tony. But <laughs> even Tony, uh, he is beginning to show signs that he's learned from his mistakes. You saw him dribble the ball against the press against West Virginia, and the whole time he was like, I got to get rid of this. I remember what happened when I tried to dribble. What was that, Texas? No, it was Mississippi State. Mississippi where they, State? Yeah, they Mississippi got there. Yep. And, and, uh, New and so you can see them learning from their mistakes, but, boy, they, they played together so well. I mean, they got dunks because they passed the ball extremely well. They were unselfish. They hit threes because they passed the ball well. They weren't shooting threes because they had no other option. They were shooting threes because it was a good option in the flow of the offense. I I don't know what it is. Bruce Weber always says he wants to run and then reins his team in and doesn't let him run. He lets them run, and I think this is what can happen. You get easy scores, you get easy buckets, and they relax. And we've talked about that very aspect for a while. My, my concern Tuesday night in Lawrence is that KU wax them with a, an 18 to 3 run or something right out of the shoot because yep. that's what KU does. Yep. And at times in the past, K State has been able to, you know, bounce back and come back from those. And that's where it fits. If you're talking about seeing this team grow up, granted, again, there, a lot of them are freshmen. Again, you put in Sloan. How do they respond tomorrow night? Because they're going to get runs. They're going to have 16 5, whatever it is over there. You know, in each ear hole and nose hole, and you name it. And there's there is no tougher place in college basketball to play. And we're going to see what K State is about, without a doubt, tomorrow night. I know, we really will. I mean, and you can't. We've seen really good K State teams go in there and just get run over. They get a few calls against them, and they they just kind of collapse. And and that happens to a lot of teams. I, in a weird way, I think it's good that the freshmen and David mm-hmm. Sloan haven't experienced it. They have no preconceived notions. They're going to be told how loud it is. So they'll expect that, and we'll see how they respond. What the hell? Just go play. Just don't lose your. Just don't lose your mind. Right. Just don't lose your. You can't come out of that game tomorrow night losing by twenty-five or thirty. No. That I think is going to be really damaging if it happens. I may be wrong, but yeah, I just. For K State, I damaging in what way to like just completely shooting their confidence? What do you What do you mean? What they maybe built in the last week to just blows that right out of the water. You know, I don't really see that happening. I don't see a win, but a thirty point loss I think would be pretty far fetched too. Just because KU's not scoring like they have in the past, they don't really have the best shooters. No, I mean they are very very skilled down low. And that's certainly an area they could uh, take advantage of in this mm-hmm. game. And they could just murder K-State in the paint and probably win by double digits, 15 or so. But you know, that's exactly the way I feel. That's the way I felt about the West Virginia game. Maybe what happened with the Mountaineers will get KU's attention. As a is just an impossible matchup for almost anyone outside of West Virginia in this conference. Um, but this is a game that McCall Moeen has to show up and not get five fouls in ten minutes of action. As if, if he played harder in the game, as his six rebounds show, and Bruce Weber pointed to, the fouls continue to be baffling. He misses a little shot, and he almost immediately, as a reflex, fouls the guy that rebounds that miss. It's like, oh, I missed. I'm going to foul you, punish you for <laughs> rebounding the ball. He also gets a lot of over-the-back calls where you would just think that by now he should know they're going to call that every single time. And he gets cheap fouls 50 feet from the basket. Yeah, he's got to stay on the floor for, if anything, for his defense. Although I was actually really impressed with how hard those young guys in the post defended against those big guys from West Virginia. They worked extremely hard. So, which is more likely? I'm going going back to what you said, Kellis. Okay. Which is more likely? K State loses by six, or K State loses by twenty-three? Twenty-three. It's more likely in my book. What, oh, what's I more, think six. Actually. What's more likely? Yeah, what's more likely? Now, okay, I'm interested, Kels. Why, why do you say six? Well, because, like what I was saying earlier, I don't trust KU to come out and score 90 points in this game. I think even if they play their best, it'll be – I mean, I, I would honestly, if I was going to target something, I'd say in the middle and say KU by 12. See, I'm thinking if KU I had by, to choose, If yeah. I had to go one way or the yeah, other, that's what I would I'm, say. I'm just curious, what you of those two options, what you think is yeah. more likely. You know what? I'm going to say six. And it's, this is the only reason why. Because of just how this college basketball season has been, 
I mean, it's just been it's been crazy. It's been crazy how ranked teams continually struggle because I just don't think there's really. I mean, obviously, I just think it shows there's no dominant team or even teams in college basketball this year. So I I, I really I'm not saying that part of, of how maybe they'll come back is that maybe KU's winning by you know, 12 or 13 in the final minute or two, and then K-State hits a couple of threes to make it six. But I, I, between the two, I feel like that's more likely than them getting beat by 23. But if uh, Mike McGurl doesn't play and, and Cardi and them have to play 35, 36, 37 minutes, then I think the 23. Well, the, the key to not being blown out will be, like, can they can they keep track of guys like Moss and Dotson, their other shooters who, when they do have their good shooting games, they can make them in spurts. When they played Texas's last game, they only made two three-pointers, KU did, and that's why they didn't win by a whole lot. Um, so as long as they, Kansas State plays good defense everywhere else, I think they can keep it somewhat close. But if, for whatever reason, they can't close out, they let KU make threes, then that's where it can become a, a really ugly score. But I'm thinking like Kellis, thir- 13 is kind of the, the margin of victory, I th- I'm kind of thinking here. I'm thinking something like 67-54. So Ken Palm hasn't went in by almost 20. So. Mm. Interesting. As a bookie inside, KU, do they hit threes? And for me, transition baskets. Yeah. Yep. Does KU get out and run, and do they have a lot of success in the fast break tomorrow night? Do you think K-State will try pressing again? I was a little surprised they brought that out of West Virginia. But it works. Press they, the team that presses. Yeah, they, That's right. <laughs> they beat them at their own game. Beat them at their own game. They I, could. I like Bruce is really digging into the – coaching book this year he's playing a little zone he's switching defenses uh he's giving teams other looks uh and i think he's got to continue that he's got to continue that and i think this team responds to it there's a bunch of young guys that uh you give them something new and they go out and attack it uh, he, he even played I, a guy with two fouls against West Virginia. he did yeah brought sneed back I in mean, I was ready for an asteroid this? to hit Bramwell's Coliseum, but it didn't do it <laughs> yeah it was amazing and they won the game can you believe it i know it I turned know. out good I would put Dejuan Gordon on Dotson. Just give him that length and give him, you know, give him some things to worry about and try to get a hand up when he shoots and disrupt him. Because if when he's off, it does change KU quite a bit. Now I love this kid. I love him. I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I like Dejuan a lot, man. Uh, I mean, I think they should put him in the lineup permanently. Like I said, but I do think it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if my girl comes back, they're going to put him in the lineup. Because I don't know, you guys have obviously covered Bruce a lot longer than I have, but he seems to be a guy who says, you know, not actually publicly, but like, you don't lose your start, starting lineup spot just because he got injured. Because that's what happened. He didn't lose it because he was playing badly, it's because he had this concussion. And he had started every single game to, to, to that point before Texas Tech. I, I think that's typically correct, and it happened when, you know, Stokes came back and yep. Jada had been starting. That's a good point. Um, There's a difference. But uh, I, there was something not working before, and now it seems to be working. Uh, I think you probably keep him in there. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, hell, what, what do you got to lose here? You're one and four in the conference. You're, you're not going to go winless, as many of us feared, including me. <laughs> you really Man. thought they'd go winless? No, he didn't. <laughs> I was beginning to make plans. <laughs> Do you remember that that season where they started 0 and 9, that first Big 12 season? Because like that would have been the first time they lost Saturday. They started 0 and 5 since the first year of the Big 12. Yeah, I do. It was pretty miserable. <laughs> it was beyond pretty miserable. Oh. But there's only one team ever that's done it right, and that was TCU. Wasn't it? TCU. Yeah, A and M went 0 and 16 once as well in the old, the old Big 12. That's inexcusable for A and M. That's just they even had AC Law when they did it, which is the funny. Man, thing. that's crazy. Is that cat still in the NBA? I don't know, man. AC Law? Yeah. I don't think so. The fourth? The fourth. The fourth. Maybe, maybe maybe the fifth is playing somewhere. No. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to bring up something, Matt, because you guys know I always do these callbacks earlier. When you said dingbat, yeah. like the thing that makes me think of is like from the 1960s era, Batman. So if we did like a collage of those plays, you'd get the... I like it. Like dingbat. Thank you, Kevin. I'm glad you appreciate that. Whammo. Yeah, dingbat. That's what it would come up when the, like the cat, like the cat. Signal or something. The cat signal. The cat you know, like signal. The Batman, but instead of the power cat. Oh. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. No, I would think the like the old Willie. You know, one of the earlier Willies. Uh-huh. That would be the, the cat <laughs> signal that would come up. <laughs> Talk about old Willies. <laughs> okay, let's break. Okay. Here the fourth has not played in the NBA since 2011. Yeah, I really? thought he'd been out for a while. Does it? Does Sad. the Wikipedia machine say what he's doing nowadays? 
he played a little bit overseas. Mm-hmm. He tried to be a coach for some place called Ranger College. Yep, that's in Texas. Yep. Right now, it appears he's not doing anything basketball-wise. Very hmm. good. Well, we're not doing anything uh, breaking news insiders-wise, so we will take a break right here, gather ourselves, and come back on the Powercat Insiders podcast, sponsored by Commerce Bank. Stay locked in. The Powercat podcast will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the Powercat Insiders podcast. We got a lot done in the first half. Maybe we should keep just, it up. Uh, break out some cigarettes. Nope. And uh, some whiskey. <laughs> nope. It's okay. Let's start this segment with the rant. Are we going to just dive right into yeah, the catfish right rant? He said he has something yeah. good. I fed him five-hour energy. Uh, By God, it better be great. Okay, so guys, here's you know, so we have an opening at at the Mercury right now you know, for for high school sports writer, someone who also does K State stuff. That job was posted on December 29th on journalism jobs and other places where journalism jobs are, are posted. Did you do Eric's jobs? What, what jobs? Eric's jobs, the, the world's worst commercials. It's like they Job. just shot it with a, a iPhone or something with no no mic on her. Go to Eric's jobs and it's a go ahead. Go I ahead. guess I'm gonna have to look this up later. But no, so here's what 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 just really gets me, guys. And and I want, I just want to hear hear from you guys, so because maybe you have experience. Okay, the job post December 29th. We're getting people who are in school right now who don't graduate till May applying for the job. So what am I, I'm gonna sit here and wait six months for you to graduate and then you can move from. Texas or Arizona or Maryland. I'm going to wait six months for you to graduate. Are they at K-State? No. Okay. No. That's strange. So why would you send me an application for a job? Is it, You just think I'm going to wait that long for you? Are you like the second coming of Wright Thompson and Grantland Rice? Are you that good? Or Riley Gates, who I hired while he was in college. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. I mean, I'm saying, have you guys ever had, had that happen? Where it's like in the middle of a year and you're saying, I don't graduate till five months from now. I'm going to apply for it anyway. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Is it possible that they have, like, three hours left they can take remotely? I'm just saying that if you're listening to this podcast, future people, don't even bother sending me your resume. Future people. Just don't. Just don't send it to me. Don't waste my time. The podcast for the unborn. It's it's a waste. It's a waste of my time. Did they designate, like, in their cover letter, I can't start until blankety blank blank blank? Well, I mean, you kind of have to do the research. Like, you look at the resume, and it says projected to graduate in May 2020. Oh, I like projected. That's promising. Or expected to. You know. maybe and just, they, maybe, projected, I would be really concerned. Expected, I would be much better. Maybe they're yeah. willing to turn pro early. Well, but no, I'm just – but it just – guys, I – with the way this job is at, at the paper, I would not feel comfortable with anybody continuing to be in school and taking online classes. Because I was – so it's like – I need you to cover a game. Oh, I'm sorry. I got a test I got to take online. I I agree with you. Give me a break. Yeah, I agree. It's ridiculous. Those kids these days, they don't know what goes into it. Like, you know what I did, guys? The passion. You know what I get? You know what I did when I applied for jobs, guys? I waited until I graduated college (laughs) before I applied for jobs. Hey, you it miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Well, right? I mean, I guess all I'm saying is, if you'd at least put somewhere in a cover letter or in the email, like Mr. Black, because I hope they call me Mr. Or they call me Ryan, but I'd prefer Mr. How about Catfish. If they, well, if that would, <laughs> I would appreciate that if only because that means they actually listen to this podcast and that's really doing a deep dive. But is it just say 
you know, I'm not going to graduate. I know I, I you're probably not going to wait this long to fill the job, but I just want to give this to you for fut- for the future. Right. But like I, I did have someone last time this job came open last year that that he said, well, yeah, I would just take my classes online and do that, even though he had a whole year left, Ooh. a whole year. Not that, like at least these other people were like a semester, but I, I just I just didn't know if you guys have ever heard of this or experienced that. Where have someone are you asking them any of them if they're interested in like uh, esports, so that you don't <laughs> lose another one to esports? Oh man, uh, I, you know guys, I you know no, you're he's not. obviously referring to Sean Collins who who departed my my uh, my department. To go to the Dallas Morning News, yeah, to be the first esports writer for the Dallas Morning News, and I'm fascinated to see how it works. You know, I, I, I guys, I mean, I know nothing about video games, Kellis. Maybe you do. Maybe your kids are very into it. Uh, but I'm just, I'm interested to see how it works. Well, they got a big ass video game stadium right, right there in uh, Arlington, next to the football and baseball stadium. A, a, a video game stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't yep. know the such national, things. The national video game arena. That's well, I'm, I guess that's the where the news is doing it. Yeah. And now the old Ranger stadiums become. I think yeah, I think tomorrow is XFL stadium. I think tomorrow is when it's supposed to officially launch for them their esports vertical. I'm intrigued by it. I I don't want to cover it, but I just want to see if this is where we're going in this industry. I know this: if you play an esports version of Kansas versus Kansas State, (laughs) Kansas probably wins that game. And Azabuki dunks a lot in the esports version Mm. of this game. This is the PowerCat Insiders Podcast brought to you by Commerce Bank. Whatever financial challenges come your way, Commerce Bank can help. Commerce Bank challenge accepted. I'm I'm intrigued. I really want to see what happens. And, you go to and, the game? You going? No, I'm not. You know, oh, here's I'm why. I, I bet I know why. It's because you, you've talked about how yeah. much of a mess it's getting. Yeah. Um, I'm a big guy. I don't know if you know. I'm sucking in right now, no. so I'm going to be able to see. Yeah, I know. Um, well, people who are listening to it can't see it, so they Oh, don't they know. know. They know. They, they've checked out my online news. Oh, what man. he's going to say is cramped. <laughs> Quarters. Yeah. yeah Did you just say is. online news? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slipped it right by Matt. Yeah. No. <laughs> I just um, kept going. It's good. We work together a long time. Just ignore and move on. Um, and since they put more donors on the on the baseline or on, on the sideline, there's not many seats down there. Kellis, you'll be down there. Ryan, you'll be down there. So maybe. We'll maybe. see. Um, First time I was last year, I wasn't. So we'll see. Well, that's interesting. Um, I mean, usually the two... You know, the star and the the hometown paper would be down there. I, I'm uh, I'm now put up in the corner where you really can't see very well, but you are in incredibly cramped quarters. I mean, yeah. normal sized people have problems operating. You can't really type because your elbows can't. You know. So I've been watching the game from inside the media room for the last couple times over. Mm-hmm. Which is a weird experience because you hear the roar and then seven seconds later you find out why. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm of this theory, maybe this has ended us up in a good point, that eventually that's where the media will cover games, particularly at venues like Allen Fieldhouse. Eventually someone will do the cost analysis of what those seats up in that corner cost KU Athletics, and we'll all just end up in the media room watching it, and then they'll bring in the players and coaches. I think that's where it's going to end up. I really do. Unless attendance gets so bad they need us in the stands. Which maybe is what, where we're going to end up with that. But you, you think of the Super Bowl. You think of the value of those tickets and the suites. I can see them eventually moving the media to off-site viewing. What? what? Hold on. I can see it. It's what they do at the Heisman. They don't let you actually go to the thing. Yep. You have to watch I can, on TV and then interview hmm. after. I can see the media being moved to a separate area. To For the watch Super Bowl. Games. Yeah, especially something like the Super Bowl. You know how many people try to get passes to the Super Bowl? Well, but I mean, I'm I was still just talking like to someone like... that said one of the Kansas City stations is requesting 20 passes. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, but I'm just saying, but like, they at least, you're just saying what they would say is just take out the press box and turn those into regular seats. Because I mean, at least most stadiums build, I mean, they purpose yeah. built press boxes. Well, you would still need a press box for uh, the TV, TV and stats and hmm. those type of things. But How yeah. far in the future are you predicting this is going to happen? Uh, during your career, my friend, during your career, maybe not during mine. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think you'd ever I'll be, I think that's Doomsday, but it's going to happen. Uh, although the, the, the thing working in our advantage is that attendance is dropping. So the seats aren't as valuable as they used to be. But the seats that do have value are, ironically, the most expensive that people can brag that they bought. 
I well, think they'll just continually keep moving us to worse and worse seats. I don't think it'll ever come to the point where absolutely no media is allowed anywhere. Well, K-State but. talked about moving us to the top, up kind of by the elevator. And I said, that's not possible to have all of our stuff that we need to do their job down underneath the Coliseum and one elevator that moves at a snail's pace. You can't, that just doesn't work. You can't then hold press conferences and everything down underneath. If they held everything up above, I could see that if the media workroom was there. And but, All right, don't waste any more time on that. I don't know. I don't know. Don't fry up your brain cells on that. I'm worried about these things. <laughs> I'll just say that. We're people, too. Can I go to left field right quick? Go. Go. Before you yeah. take another hit of five-hour energy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrilled for K-State baseball. And oh. oh, my goodness. The upgraded yeah, facility. I can't wait looks, to see oh, it in yeah. person. It looks great. Um, I was blown away. I had no idea it was going to be that it's, nice. Yeah, it's it's going to be phenomenal. Kudos to the uh, you know the respective companies that are everybody involved that's getting that thing put together. It's it's going to be big time. The it's, donors, athletic department, yeah, and raising money, doing it right, and whoever envisioned that. We got a video board now. It's just it's going to be a, from the reason I bring that up is just a little re- reflection when I saw Mike Clark over the weekend. Thinking what it was like <laughs> when I first started calling baseball games at Kansas State to what it is now. And you can say that about the entire Big 12. And even for that matter, the teams that have left the conference. Um, but, man, can't wait. I, fans are really going to enjoy what they see, not just aesthetically and the seats and the environment. But K-State's going to have a much better baseball team this year. They got the right guys head coach. That's for sure. Guys. Because- well, I'll say this, too. I think there, you could really draw a lot of parallels between baseball and, and the football programs in terms of, you know, it's not like Hughes last year, Pete Hughes, brought in a lot of new guys. I mean, he did bring in some JUCO guys, but I'm saying it wasn't like – I mean, he, he still was working with the same – a lot of the same kids who were on the last year of, of the Brad Hill, you know, tenure. And, I mean, man, it was night and day in terms of how right. competitive they were. They could only do so much yes, recruiting-wise. that's what I'm saying. Now they're up and running on the recruiting trail. It's yeah. Boy, that locker room. If you haven't seen it, I would go to uh, Kansas State's K-State Baseball's Twitter mm-hmm. and check it out. It's really impressive. It, it's thematically, it looks just like the football locker room or the you know basketball. It's got the power cat up in the ceiling. I think they did it right, and that's why you know you think about the upcoming projects, whatever it is in the next five six years. It's going to be some pretty neat things on campus up there. At the complex. Has anyone let Eric Kennard know that indoor track is moving? That, that's why I know. I him. sat by him at the Texas <laughs> Tech game last week. Interesting. He was here. He, I'm sure he's probably gone now. He was going back to Atlanta to start training once again. It was fun to sit by him. Every time I've seen Eric Kennard from day one, I immediately think Kobe Bryant. Oh, no. It's, it's just, just <laughs> like him. It's unbelievable. I wonder how many times he gets confused for him in the airports and stuff because even the size and the, I mean I remember when they took the photo together at the Olympics mm-hmm. it's pretty classic Kansas State at Kansas Tuesday night Allen Fieldhouse 6 p.m. boy it's gonna be tough on those Johnson County people to get out of work and get over there <laughs> worried about that yeah well I was just gonna say when before I, I do like did you say literally in left field because it kind of was mm-hmm. okay good I want to make sure you said literally because it was mm-hmm. baseball is that talking all this stuff about because of the stuff people really want to know about the media arrangements and accommodations? Yeah, I'm and sure they're intrigued. Well, it's just that I think I've told you guys before, it was shocking to me when I came here to start covering K State actually being on the floor because most SEC arenas, you're already up somewhere where you're not even on the floor. So, like, when I got K State, I was like, whoa, hey, this. And then a lot of the Big 12 schools, you actually are very close. So that's, but I'll, <laughs> excuse me, I will say it's more common to be like where the Texas seats are that's a lot more common the sec to be you know up maybe behind the first row or up over the tunnel where the teams run in or out uh, to the floor so uh, i mean like i hope it doesn't go away but i mean i know you're right i mean these people these athletic departments look at the money and hey the more you know courtside seats they can sell i mean who cares about the media yeah you know when they asked me about that and this has been a number of years ago i said you do realize that these these end zone whatever seats that the media's in they're really not good seats yeah they're close to the floor but i mean you've got obstructions and i mean you're not most of the time there's open courtside seats anyhow why do you need a 
worse ones underneath the basket. I mean, particularly the ones like we're in that you're obstructed by the classic cats constantly. The other end, you're obstructed by the, the basketball managers that have to have, sit there and get up. They're just not good seeds. They kind of stink, but uh, it works. It works, and uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think eventually they will move us. I won't be surprised if that's part of the redesign when they gut the west side of Bramlage Coliseum and have mid-level entrances, which they should have always had, and those type of things. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're part of that. We'll see. Not that anyone out there cares. I just wanted to bring it up. Uh, we probably should touch on the Kansas City Chiefs, even though this is a K-State broadcast. You know, when Patrick Mahomes was at Texas Tech, I knew he was special. And, in fact, I remember tweeting that I wanted him to be the Chiefs quarterback draft. I had no idea. No idea. There was nothing at college that told me he had this kind of football IQ because it was such a system at Tech. It's funny. That system is designed to make average quarterbacks look good, and it made a great quarterback look really good. Not great, but because he didn't have to think. He didn't have to do things. He he just didn't even have to huddle. Just throw the ball here. But, boy, with him, he's a difference maker. It was really impressive. And one of us is wearing a Chiefs jersey. Well, I remember, sadly, being on the fence about Patrick Mahomes when the Chiefs drafted him because no Texas Tech quarterback had ever yeah. gone on to do much of anything in the yep. NFL. And I thought, eh, you know, he's got the talent, but I don't know. I guess the one thing that showed us is that just because a quarterback doesn't win big in college, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad player. If his defense is giving up 70 a game, what, what are you supposed to do about that? Now he's got a defense, and th- th- that's why I think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. So they got a defense that can do something now. Yeah. His run late in the second yesterday was unbelievable. of legend. When he cut it back in, that was the most shocking. He got the corner turned. I thought he was going to go out of bounds. Got the corner turned, and then it opened up, and there was defenders. I thought, okay, he's just going to step out, take it easy. That's what he's got this nuance to his game where he knows we need this right now. He's beginning to figure out, okay, throw it away, check down, run out of bounds, and that was the opposite. Now we need this play right now. Let's go for it. And he did fumble. Yeah, they stripped it. It slipped a little bit out of his hand. And he caught it as before he hit the ground. So what an incredible playmaker, and the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. How about this this little factor that just popped into my mind? The Super Bowl will be a replay of the time uh, Texas Tech came here with Patrick Mahomes, and he had to go play against D.J. Reed. D.J. Reed actually had a pick six against him. Does D.J. play much? He plays it every game, but he's like a back. Not enough to get a pick six in the Super Bowl. Special teams, but not as much in the secondary. And Elijah Lee's for the Niners, too. Yep. And Pringle for the Chiefs. It's just phenomenal offense and a really, really good defense. And another factoid all three guys in the last couple of years who left school early Pringle, Lee, and Reed. Some people were like, what are they doing? They have no chance in the NFL. Now they're all in the Super Bowl. So suck on that, haters. I'll, I'll just say. Yeah, Alex Barnes. I mean, like the the, the biggest the biggest difference between this Chiefs, the biggest difference between this Chiefs team and some of the previous ones, especially last year, is their defense is so much so much better. But I will say this: I don't think they can dig themselves a hole against this 49ers defense like they did the last two games because this 49ers defense is special. They'll get after it, it's it's the best defense I think that's been in the playoffs since that 49er. Oh, sorry, since the uh, the Broncos defense that just just swallowed Cam Newton whole. During his MVP season. That seems dangerous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting stat from the radio broadcast. I was heading over to my show last night. I was listening on Sirius XM. Uh, the 49ers now lead the league after last night in third down sacks. Chiefs are second. Hmm. thought, well, that's wow. a pretty telling stat about getting a team off the field when you need to make a play. And Bosa and... And company really get after the quarterback. I didn't think about this at the beginning of the NFL playoffs, but it was said a couple of times yesterday, this is really the best Super Bowl matchup you could ask for. Better than New England being in there, better than anybody else on the NFC side being in there, this is the best matchup you could ask for. Well, there's a sense of change, a sense of young quarterbacks taking the league in a new direction. Why is it the best matchup? I'm just curious. Because the offense and the – than the defense that you referenced, yeah, and it's not like it's not like San Fran's offense is wretched. You know the Chiefs have a better defense. San Francisco, I mean, what Mostert did yesterday, ripping off two twenty and four touchdowns. I mean, this is a 
that's a heck of a matchup. Well, I just didn't know if you'd say, I mean, the Packers, you know, Chiefs would at least be a rematch of the first Super Bowl. That's who I wanted to see, but this is a better matchup, in my opinion. I agree. That would be funny is if somebody went back and uh, interviewed every single quarterback who went from the Niners to the Chiefs back in the day. Steve Bono, Elvis Gerback, Joe Montana. That is interesting. Yeah, Smith. Yeah, he did that same thing, That's too. That's fascinating. Uh, I don't know. Have him compare the team somehow. Maybe I'll suggest that to my, my bosses. How many stories are going to be written about D. Ford going in the Super Bowl? Uh, ton. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, oh, yeah, you almost, you know, you could have, you cost the Chiefs a chance to do this last year. What does it mean now to be on the 49ers and be there? I hope they interview Frank Clark for that story because I just want to hear Frank Clark interviewed every day of my life. <laughs> He's a piece of work. He was something I've never seen him interviewed until oh yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Holy crap. Someone hit him in the head as a child. Or he had three five-hour energies. and Yeah. Well, I think the coaching matchup in this is fascinating, too, because you've got yeah. – Maybe the best coach to never win a Super Bowl. Yeah. At least he's in the argument. Uh-huh. And then, obviously, I mean, Kyle Shanahan maybe joining his dad as a Super Bowl winner. That'd be either way, it's pretty fascinating. Remember, yeah. these two teams played in 2018, and that's the game Garoppolo blew his ACL. Oh, that's right. And Kansas City hammered him in that game. They've added a few pieces. Both teams have. Very interesting. And he may need a couple of bucks if you want a Super Bowl ticket. Hmm. A little stiff. Yeah, I saw that uh, right now on the secondary sites, uh, the lowest prices for a pair of tickets is around eleven thousand yeah. dollars. Hmm. Saw an upper deck seat for fifty seven hundred last night. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Uh, I, yeah, the the three hundred dollars tickets to go to the AFC Championship game were too rich for me, so. I'll probably stay home. Uh, uh, Actually, I'm yeah. flying to Ryan. I'm flying to West Virginia right before the the Super Bowl again. So I pray my flight is on time this time. Oh, well. I don't want to be watching the Chiefs 49ers at the uh, Chili's Chicago Airport again. That's not. Good. This happened to me a few years Can- ago. We were coming back from West Virginia. Our flights got yep. delayed. We had to watch Super Bowl at the. Uh, the Chili's and O'Hare. Yeah, yeah the, the Eagles forty uh, Eagles Patriots Super Bowl that Eagles won. Can you buy me some of that popcorn there at the airport? Garrett popcorn. Garrett's. Yeah, yeah sure. Getting work done here. Getting work done on this podcast. Real quick, though, before we call it quits on this week's edition of the Insiders Podcast, K-State at Alabama on Saturday. I'm not a fan of the SEC Challenge, but in a weird way, I feel like the SEC has always gained more from this series than the Big 12. I think they've upped their status, so to speak, a little bit, Uh, you know, that their mid-level teams are better than people expect. I feel like the Big 12's got a lot to earn this year. They really have some opportunities here. K-State... Could win at Alabama, that would say a lot. Um, you know, Kentucky goes into to Texas Tech. That's kind of the marquee game. Uh, I just think there's some intriguing matchups that could make statements for this conference. Who's Baylor got? I don't remember. I don't remember Baylor. I don't. They got Florida? That might be right. Missouri goes to West Virginia. Kellis is getting on the Google machine. <laughs> Give me a sec. I don't, Stretch. I don't like this matchup, this, this series at all. The fact that they get a lop off four bad teams and, and everyone in the Big Twelve has to match up. It's just not fair. It's brought the it's helped the I think you're right. It's it's made the SEC. the SEC look a little bit better. The Big Twelve's down this year compared to years past. Go Kellis. All right, you want to hear all the matchups? Let's do it. We got LSU at Texas, Tennessee at Kansas, Kansas State at Alabama. Missouri at West Virginia. Hey, Missouri's back in it. Iowa State at Auburn. Mississippi State at OU. TCU at Arkansas. Oklahoma State at A&M. Kentucky at Tech. And Baylor at Florida. Hmm. To me, that's the marquee matchup. Could be interesting. Baylor, Florida. Yeah, Baylor, Florida. Tennessee is going to get rocked. Yeah. They, they are a shell of last year's team. Kind of surprised game day is going to Kansas instead yeah. of Tech. It has to do with, what, the three 300th? 300th edition of game day. I think that's why if I, if I saw that right over uh, the weekend. Okay. Well, okay. The game day that nobody really talks about. Speaking of tech, you know, with them winning the other day, it's like they avoided losing back that home games for the first time since Beard's been there. Very impressive. I like tech. I think they're good. Yeah. I think they've got some nice pieces. TCU's finally getting exposed. I bet you K-State wants that game back. Yeah, for sure. It's. I mean, to me, it's still Baylor and KU are the yeah. Yeah. best. Text, text three hole, four hole. West Virginia is the other three hole, four hole. And there's a whole lot of 
mediocre. There is. There <laughs> That's is. what's different about this year. There's a whole lot of mediocre in this conference, and fortunately, including Kansas State. But they've got their first conference win, and they have opportunities down the road. Two, two games still await with Oklahoma State and Iowa State. They still get Texas coming in. They get to go to TCU. There are opportunities to win games, and credit to the Wildcats. They won one that nobody expected them to win, and they did it emphatically. How how good of a coaching job? I mean, I know like people are going to say this is a stupid thing to bring up, Ron. I mean, I think I think Bruce has done a great job this year. I mean, I feel like he's tried a lot of stuff. It's just it hadn't shown in the actual wins and losses. Eh. People are noticing that he's not making as many excuses. Um, I mean, he's stubborn to a fault on some things, Kellis. But I mean, yeah. he at least is tr- trying to switch things up. Well, he tried against West Virginia. I'll yeah. give him that. Well, I I thought when he said that he called David Sloan during the you know days leading up to the game and said, I don't know if you don't like me or whatever, but we got to figure this out. I need you to play defense. I thought that was – I like it when he's open like that. kind of gives the inner workings of how he's working with his team because sometimes you get the impression that they kind of just, you know, the big three didn't, you know, the past few years. But other guys just kind of ignore him and go about their business. Yeah, but every coach is different about getting what they need and want from their players. Right. I mean, if – Bruce is, Bill Self is, Calipari is, Izzo is, Beeline is, I mean, Scott Drew is. But, again, I think the fact that he played Sloan 35 minutes on Saturday, I think there's becoming a little more focus as to what needs to happen with this basketball team. Well, I'm, hope, I'm hoping now that he will start doing a good coaching job. It's just kind of funny that he's just now stumbling upon all these things that we've been talking about, like Matt said, for six weeks. I mean, it seems like everybody outside the coaching office noticed that David Sloan might bring something to the team playing more at point guard. And they Coaches only are in, stubborn. Only yeah, in and game, uh, what was stubborn. it, 17 or whatever it was, decided, you know what, let's put our Well, and, and Kelly, you know, too, though, it's easy for us to sit around and do this. But, like, when we're not in the locker room, we're not around the dynamic of the team, that's a totally different thing. And those that they are coaching in this day and age are just a wee bit more fragile than they used to be. Yep. Mm, me too. <laughs> That's it for the Insiders Podcast for this week. K-State at KU on Tuesday. Buckle in. It always gets a little bit interesting. You've been listening to the Powercat Insiders Podcast presented by Commerce Bank. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.